Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Dropping the Plum Line. My name is Stacey Mueller, and it is March 20th, 2023. And tomorrow evening, we start the Hebrew Covenant calendar. It's like the New Year's Day, and it is the month of Nisan. Nisan means to take flight. It means to come into a place of praise and worship. You know, God sets up his calendar and shows us how to do things properly. And the year needs to start off with praise. There's actually an anointing to praise him in this month ahead. And as we come into this spring season, God is going to give us instruction on what we need to sow seeds of faith towards, what we need to do so that it will produce a harvest. Now, I want to spend time in this podcast to kind of go over what I see for the year. And I'm going to actually uh, go back to 2020. Uh, I feel like that's where it started as we come into the final countdown. So join me. And if you want more information uh, about the month of Nissan, you can go to my blog at momana.life. This particular podcast, I'm just going to focus on what God is showing me for the new year. So as I started reflecting on this podcast and what I wanted to share, I was reminded of my trip to England in 2012. Now, it was probably about the fifth day of my trip, and I was by myself, and God sent my feet off to the parliament and had me praying and interceding, and he was showing me a bunch of things. And while I was there, he instructed me to go over the Thames River. And all throughout my trip, he told me, that when he told me to give him a minute, I was to lift up my left hand and my right hand and start worshiping him wherever I was. And, uh, and I had to just do so as instructed. So as I'm crossing over the Thames River, the Lord told me to turn around and so that I could see Big Ben and I could see the parliament. I was halfway over the Thames River and he said to me, now lift up your, you know, give me a minute. So I lifted up my right hand and my left hand. I started worshiping and just praising him. And, you know, people are walking around me and probably thinking I'm just a weirdo. And, you know, I had fasted before I went on this trip. So my flesh was just, I just didn't really even care when the Lord told me to do this. And he did had me do this in very different and unique places where a lot of people were like, what the heck is she doing? Anyway, so as I did that, I remember the clock just striking Big Ben. And, you know, there's a sound that um, happens when it's on the hour. And then the Lord told me then to leave and go to the Abbey. And I was kind of arguing with the Lord because I had already been to the Abbey. And I had, you know, been in there. I prayed exactly uh, uh, right where Princess Diana and Charles got married. The Lord had me drop a plumb line right there. And I kind of got shooed away. And there was just a, you know, there was different mountains of culture that the Lord had me praying and interceding, dropping the plumb line, doing all these things. And I knew how important it was to release America as well for her to come into her destiny up ahead. So when I was sitting in the Abbey, I decided to sit in a different spot and I knew the protocol. Now the protocol was that they would have a bunch of music and then there was two scripture readings 
that the priest or the pastor would get up and share. And I remember prior to going there uh, the first time that even um, I was weeping uh, a lot while I was in there because the building is is just beautiful. If you ever get to go there, please go because there's a beauty and ornateness about it. And when they start singing, because of the structure, it just sounds very angelic. And I was crying the whole time because it was just like they were singing and I was seeing all this, you know, beautiful, ornate stuff around me. But the hearts of the people were so far from God. And and I just saw it destroyed someday, you know, like all these things that man erects, you know, coming down. And so this time I sat on the opposite side. I was, you know, not moved in that way because I already knew, you know, what I was, you know, coming into. And then the pastor gets up to do the readings. And that's when I lost it. And here was the reading that came forward. It was in Daniel chapter 12. And he says, At the time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, that's Jacob's trouble, such as never was since that what there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn away many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the book, the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, which he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Whew, I still get chills when I read that. So here I was above the Thames River, and I was doing these, this very thing that these scriptures were saying prior to coming into the abbey, lifting my right hand up and my left hand, and I was that man in linen cloth because I was standing in proxy as an intercessor for the Lord um, and doing what he asked me to do. And um, I am reminded of that because... Oh, wow. I do believe we're coming to the end of Jacob's trouble, and we still have a little time to go. We're at the final countdown, and we're in the time that Daniel actually recognized when he and those, the remnant that were in captivity in Babylon, they had come to the end of their 70 years of captivity as well. And yet Daniel recognized they were at the end and he was like, wait a minute, we need to, I need to pray and say, hey, Lord, your word said that we would be in captivity for 70 years. 
And so he started to fast and pray and the angel Michael came and he was fighting the prince of Persia and it took 21 days, if you recall that story in Daniel, for the breakthrough to come forth and then the things to go into action for the remnant to be released. And it didn't happen right away, but what had transpired in the heavenlies had to go first. I believe that we are in a time right now at the end of Jacob's trouble. And I do believe that we are in this uh, final countdown coming into this year uh, where we have to finish off the finality of the trouble, the finality like a death work of a death work. While the remnant are in this process, God is going to preserve them like he did for Daniel and the remnant. And as these things transpire, they are being solidified and consecrated and strengthened. And they're not moved by all the shakings that continue to transpire in 2023. So the day that I actually went ahead and I did that, crossing the Thames River, looking at Big Ben, hearing the the bell go off, and then going into the Abbey was on March 15th, 2012. Well, prior to doing that, I was actually sitting in the park and the Lord instructed me to sit in the middle of the park and to observe everything that was going on. And as I was doing so, I saw these picketers that were in front of the parliament building and they were saying that the um, queen was into Freemasonry. I had some drunk guys that came up to me, put their arms around me, wanting to know what I was doing. And I had to tell them, well, I'm sitting here listening to God and God speaking to me. And that kind of freaked them out and they left. And then I just saw, you know, all these helicopters flying overhead and there was just a lot of chaos going on. And I'm like, Lord, you brought me into the middle of this park. What do you want me to do? Now, Big Ben again went off. I think it was 415 when this happened. And the whole, the Lord said to me, I want you to take a dime and I want you to bury it in the ground. And ten, the dime represents 10. 10 is the number of divine order. There's 10 commandments. And he said, now do so for me where you're kind of doing what Jeremiah was told to do in uh, Jeremiah 32 is he was called to purchase his uncle's property so that there would be a remnant or a peg left so that when the children of Israel came back um, to uh, the area after being in captivity, God would use that to spring forward the new thing that he was doing. And so basically, that's kind of what I understood in the spirit. I went ahead and I buried this dime and I just, I prayed that the earth would just receive all the iniquity that I was seeing and, and what had been transpiring over the years. And then out of that, the blood of the lamb would cover it and then cleanse it and that it would be purchased to release the restoration and redemption for the birthright nations. And so... 10 years later, the queen ends up dying in 2022. Now, during 2012, it was her 60th anniversary, and that was the year actually that the Olympics came to London. And this is also interesting is before the Olympics started, they they took a whole minute, one minute, just like God had told me, give me a minute, and they sounded the alarms or the bells, and there was bells that were just going off for one minute um, to honor the beginning of the Olympics. And I just thought that was like, wow, I can't even believe that just is happening after what God had told me to do in every spot to give him a minute. Well, um, 
now it's 10 years later. And so the queen ended up reigning for 70 years. 70 is the number for a divine appointed period of time of judgment before the release. And I really believe that her death brought the death or the sign of the end of Jacob's trouble as well. Jeremiah 30 actually talks about Jacob's trouble. And in my Bible, the title over that chapter says, Jacob shall have rest. Hallelujah. We are coming to the end of this war that we've been in as a church for these last 2,000 years. And the birthright nations being ruled by the Edomite rulers will also come to an end. But I almost feel like we're in that time where Jesus was on the cross and he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he took his last breath and the earth shook and it was very dark. And they took him off the cross and they buried him. And the disciples went home and probably were scratching their heads going, wow, what was this last three and a half years all about anyways? And, you know, there was something that was going on in the grave. Jesus was doing things that were preparing for the resurrection days later. And I feel like we're in that place where we are preparing for the resurrection power that's coming ahead. And so it's a little bit weighty right now just because the shakings have to finish out. And I, I wanted to go to Ezekiel 14 and go over the four judgments that come upon the nations uh, that turn their backs against the Lord and the punishment comes. And how does the overcomers respond to these judgments? That's what we need to focus on so we can get to the finish line and end this whole season in victory. So let's go to Ezekiel 14. So it says in verse 13, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it, and I will cut off its supply of bread, said famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. He continues on in verse 21, and he says, How much more it shall be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem, first the sword, second the famine, third the wild beasts, and fourth pestilence to cut off man and beast from it. Yet, behold, there shall be left in it a remnant who will be brought out, both sons and daughters. Surely they will come out to you, and you will see their ways and their doings, and then you will be comforted concerning the disaster that I brought upon Jerusalem, all that I have brought upon it. And so we can see at the end, this is a good sign that the remnant are preserved. Matter of fact, Noah and Daniel and Job, God lists these three out that they would be preserved because they're walking righteously. I actually stopped to wonder, like, why was it that these three were the ones that were named, given that we have a litany of heroes of faith that could have been added to this list, but yet God chose Noah, Daniel, and Job. And so I looked up their names, and I do believe this is a encouraging word to the remnant. Noah's name actually means comfort and rest. 
Daniel's name means to that God will judge, and Job, Job's name means that he will return. And so the message to us is take comfort and rest knowing that God is our judge who will return and establish his justice in the earth. And as we wait, we are being preserved by this word. So let's briefly talk about these four judgments that God says here in Ezekiel uh, chapter 14, 21. The first one is the sword. And the sword is indicative of war and rumors of wars that God speaks of in Matthew 24 as well. And have we not seen that? We have Russia and Ukraine that are have been in war. We are hearing the rumors of war of China and Russia putting together, you know, a strategy to come against the United States. We see wars that are going on in the Middle East. And so this has been, this is upon us. So what is the remnant supposed to do as the war is transpiring? Well, first of all, we're not called to war in the flesh. We are called to war in the spirit, pulling down strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, because our weapons of warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And the Lord tells us to pray and intercede. This is our greatest weapon is the sword of the spirit, taking the word out and using it as the Lord instructs and let allowing that word to strengthen our soul and to go on the offense in the spirit realm. And this is what I believe that we're still called to do in this year ahead. And we need to make those decrees and we need to encourage ourselves that as we're tearing, these things are moving in the heavenlies just like it did in Daniel's day when he was praying and fasting. Okay, the second one that is a judgment is famine. Now, the famine we are seeing um, being released all over the nations. We've had the enemy that has been going after our food supplies. We have seen how the enemy has also polluted our air and poisoned our air, actually, for our crops. And, you know, we are dealing with a lot of... um, I think coming up, uh, a shortage of supply of food in the natural. However, what does God say? He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its own sufficient troubles. And And then he says to take heart. Don't you see that I feed the birds of the air? Will I not feed you, you who are more important than the birds of the air? And so we're called not to be anxious about any of these things, but in everything we give our thanks and our praise to the Lord, and he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We're actually called to starve or to give famine to our flesh and to live in the spirit And as we do, we jump into this river, this living waters, the Ruach, the breath of God. And in that place, he will position us to receive both spiritual and natural food. Number three, it talks about the wild beasts. Well, what are the wild beasts? Well, the wild beasts are actually these beast systems that are ruling over the nations. And they're now being ruled by these false messiahs or these antichrist leaders that have bought into and are actually um, executing these beast systems that are enslaving God's people to a one world order that is causing God's people to suffer. And really, ultimately, he wants to kill God's people because Satan's job or his goal is to eliminate the seed, the ones that carry that covenant with the Lord Yeshua. 
So what do we do as we're seeing all these things happen? Um, we have to trust and believe that Jesus is the King of Kings, that we do not put our trust in the governments of the earth, but we go up higher and we say, Lord, show us what are you doing in establishing your kingdom here on the earth? And as we're listening and obeying, we then get an exchange of his authority to do what he's calling us to do. And there will be an increase of that authority for those that are listening and obeying. And this, may, although it may be hidden from many who can't see what God is doing through those that are walking in that authority, it will be seen at the appropriate time. We can't go ahead of God. We can't be behind God. We have to be right on time. I think that this is one of the hardest things to do is to stop and listen and to be silent and actually not to be in action at times because we in our world we always see that if you're doing something then you're getting ahead but sometimes sitting and waiting on the Lord gathers our strength right and even in this last Sabbath that we were celebrating the Lord was very very quiet it was almost as if Revelation 8.1 was upon us where we were, there was silence in heaven and we just sat there to listen. And there's actually a voice in silence. You know, God can speak in the silence to us if we take the time to listen. Our world is very loud right now and we have been trained to have something on at all times so that our mind is always preoccupied. So we have to train ourselves to sit in silence and to listen to the voice of God. So the last judgment that we have here is pestilence, which is disease and plagues. And have we not been going through that since 2020? I know it's been man-made, but when we started off in 2020, I think most of us had a little more fear than faith in us than we do three years later. And God has used this fiery trial to build within us a greater measure of faith. Now, faith moves the hand of God. And so when we have faith in him, we're actually opening ourselves up as a conduit for his power and his spirit to flow through us so that the spirit of the living God can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and signs and wonders will follow. So I do believe that the supernatural is one of those things that will increase up ahead. You know, the children of Israel had to have God's supernatural increase when they left Egypt and they were heading uh, to Mount Sinai to see God face to face. They had to have God turn the bitter waters and make them sweet because they had no water. They needed bread from heaven, so he was Jehovah Jireh. And then they didn't have any way to defend themselves, and God had to come behind them and be their Jehovah Nisi, their banner of righteousness. All three of these circumstances was a, a situation where the children of Israel could not defend themselves and couldn't make that happen within their own means. They had to have God do, uh, bring forth a supernatural increase. And if he was going to do it for them back then, now that we have Yeshua living within us, do you not believe that God's going to do it for us right now? Absolutely. God is not leaving us nor forsaking us. And he has actually used this fiery trial to increase our faith for the supernatural to be released in this time. 
Matthew 24, 31 says, And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. That is at the seventh trumpet. We are so close to coming into the finality of Jacob's trouble and the rise of the first fruits remnant, getting their glorified bodies and assisting the Lord in the millennium. So we ha- we're tearing. We are tearing right now. We cannot do things out of our flesh anymore. We got to be led by the spirit of the living God. The last thing I want to share is actually in Ezekiel 14, and it's at the beginning of the chapter, and it's about something that I believe that is at the forefront of the Holy Spirit and the heart of God right now, and it's it's why we're seeing the shaking in the banking industry. And, you know, the banking industry actually represents gold and silver. It represents, you know, our the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And do we have a love of money or have we placed our trust in money and our bank accounts and what's in it over trusting that God is our provision? He is Jehovah Jireh. The earth is his and he will provide everything that we need. I don't think that you really know where your allegiance is until there's a shaking. And so as the shaking has transpired in this last week or so, I think it has produced in many of us uh, a concern of, well, what do I do with my money? And, you know, what if I all that money was taken from me? And where is your level of faith and fear in this moment? This is what you're being tested. You're the consuming fire of God is testing you to see where your allegiance is. And sometimes we don't even know the idols of our heart until they're exposed through the shaking. Um, Chapter 14, verse 1 starts off and says, Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Therefore, speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus is the Lord God, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or of any strangers who dwell in Israel, who separates himself from me, and sets up his idols in his heart, and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself, and I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. Can I just share with you when I read these scriptures in Ezekiel 14 that it puts the fear of God in me. I mean, you and I, we love the Lord. And if we saw an idol in front of us, we'd say, no way, I'm not accepting that. And we cut it off. 
But so often we don't see the idols in our heart. We can have presumptuous sins. We can uh, make choices because everybody else is making them. Maybe even our Christian culture, we have adopted things that are just so far away from God's nature. And we just go along with the pack and thinking it's okay. And the Holy Spirit is giving us the discernment and we're just overriding the Holy Spirit because everyone else is doing it. And then it leads us down a path that is so unfruitful and far away from God's heart. And then it takes a shaking. It takes a a waking up for the Lord to reveal these things to us. And sometimes the consequences can be kind of hard, difficult. Matter of fact, they can be um, shattering for some of us. You know, luckily for me, I've gone through some of these, you know, I would say life lessons and ministry that God has um, not put me in a public position where I, I was able to learn them between me and him. And it didn't like cost me that much where you see some of these ministers that have a public platform that have presumptuous sins, idols in their heart, maybe ambition, pride of life. They like the money that's behind the ministry. They like the, the uh, reputation because, you know, it flatters their soul. Whatever it is, you know, they stay in this place And then when God wants to expose the idols of their heart, if they're not listening, they come crashing down. And we've been seeing some of those ministries that have been exposed recently, and more of that's going to come up ahead. So we need to ask these questions. What are the idols in our heart? We need to be open and willing to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. You know, when I first started off ministry um, in 1998, I looked around me and I was like, okay, well, how do you start a ministry? I had so much ambition to go and serve the Lord. Little did I know that my zeal, some of it was prideful because I didn't take the time to really sit and follow God's lead. I just was like kind of running ahead of him and, and just doing what everyone else was doing. And, and so there was, you know, a time when I was like, well, how are people, you know, in ministry, you know, getting, gaining donations. And then I saw everyone was, um, you know, soliciting partnership. And so I went ahead and started doing that myself. And as I started gaining partnerships, you know, I would release a a letter to my partners, just encouraging them, thanking them, you know, sharing a word that God was putting in my heart. And none of it felt very good to me. Matter of fact, the discerner in me just, just kind of was rubbing the wrong way as time went on. And I just, I felt like, you know, how is this partner going to know that I'm sharing from the, the, this pure place in my heart instead of just trying to get money from them? It just really bothered me. And then finally, one day, the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. What am I doing? He's like, I didn't tell you to solicit partners. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so then I had to backtrack and I had to go back to all these partners and made a commitment. And I just had to share, you know, I made a mistake. I want to release you from that commitment. If you want to donate to the ministry, that's great. But, you know, God has told me that I I can't solicit partnerships anymore. And, And so after I had done all that and I backtracked, I felt so much better. But I had to learn a lesson there. I was just going forward without really... You know, I was just too excited to go and serve the Lord, and I wasn't listening to the Lord and having Him lead me. And I know that many people do this. Uh, You know, this is the sanctification process that we all have to go through, but we have to be willing to continue to keep our hearts open to what the Holy Spirit is speaking, especially right now. There is a desire in our hearts in this time that we're still waiting for the transition of the saints to come up over the, the hand of the enemy. And the remnant is still kind of in hiding 
and the remnant is still tearing. And we're waiting until this transfer of, you know, us coming out of that hidden place and into what God is having us flow and go in. And it's so hard on the flesh to wait. And then, the, and so the enemy can come in front of us and dangle these things of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, getting us to work with our hands. Like, you know what? You got, you're missing out. You're missing out. You got to start making something happen. As a matter of fact, God has been so silent in this last week. I, it's been so uncomfortable for me. And God is like showing me, you know what? You're supposed to be uncomfortable. You need to sit in my silence. And you know, the lion and the tribe of Judah is trying to speak in the silence. And you've got your phone on, you're texting, you're listening to podcasts, you're watching videos, you're making yourself busy, and you're not taking time to just sit with me. How are you going to be led by me if you're not taking time with me? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right, Lord. And so I think that that's a word for all of us. We just need to make sure we're setting aside time to listen and obey and follow his lead. And I believe that, you know, we are being challenged at the right time after three years of going through this, you know, I would say, you know, we've been going through a fiery trial that we're ready for the banking shaking as well. I don't know if we could have handled it three years ago, but we're ready to handle it right now. Well, that's a good good sign because, you know, our flesh is probably going, no, you know, you're worried about your bank account. You're worried about, you know, what's it going to look like? And, 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 you know, a week ago we saw some of the banks close, one of the biggest banks close. And, you know, everyone's like, what should I do with my money? Oh my gosh, you know, and how many people went into fear? And instead of having faith that this is a, too a part of what God's plan is, and if it's a part of his plan, then he's got a solution. So we, not, we do not need to fret. We do not need to worry. And, you know, in 2020, God started really uh, putting it on my heart to come into this discipleship to learn how to trust him for every, every need without having a job. He just kept telling me, you know, it's time for you to, to work for me. And, you know, it's time for you to trust and and let me be your employer, if I was going to call it that. And I don't want you to go get a job, but just trust that I'm going to provide for your needs. Well, at the time he was telling me this, I had just gotten a house. It's called the White House. I had a son living with me. I have bills to pay, a mortgage, property taxes. How am I going to feed us? And I'm hearing the Lord say, you know, don't go get a job. Now I had been laid off because of COVID. And so I was in search of another job. And I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, no, I don't want you to go get another job. You're going to work for the Lord. Well, that just didn't make any sense to my natural brain. And so I kept pushing it off thinking maybe that's a word for down the road. And I just kept applying for jobs. And then finally, you know, after so many jobs and no one like responding, I finally did get to a point where I was um, down to the final candidates for two jobs at the same time. And the Holy Spirit was speaking louder and louder. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I, I just can't discern if this is a, a word for now or if I'm supposed to put this on the shelf and, and know that you're going to have me, you know, just working for you down the road, but I'm going to put a fleece before you because I just need that in my weakness. And if this is you, these two job opportunities that I'm so qualified for, um, they're going to turn me down. And so lo and behold, both jobs turned me down. And I was like, oh my gosh, God's calling me to this right now. 
And so I couldn't look back any further. I had gotten my confirmation and I had to stand on that. Now, each one of us has a weakness in our soul that God is so faithful to fulfill when we're asking him for help. And that's what God did for me. And I needed that. So when the winds or the storm came and all the bills were speaking to me and I had no means to pay for them, or people were coming to me and saying, you know, you really need to get a job that I could stand on this peg of confirmation that God had given me and just stand and see the salvation of the Lord in my situation and watch him move on my behalf. And I have actually been doing that for the last three years. And I can just, I don't, I can't even like tell you how many miraculous things God has done for me in the last three years. Some of them at the the 11th hour, I had no idea how I was going to make it. And then God came through. And, you know, halfway through this last three years, you know, the Lord has also challenged me in another way. And that is to not even let people see from my face or hear from my my voice, you know, my concerns about my finances and that I needed to act as if I had a million dollars in the bank account and not really let people know, you know, where I'm at. And then also when the Lord says, give here and I just give, give freely, give with a happy heart, knowing that God has got you. He's going to continue flowing those resources through, through you. And, and so I've been trained in that as well. And I believe that the Lord showed me this uh, a few years ago, that one of the reasons why he was having me go through this is because I saw the banking um, system, you know, come crashing down and I saw people panicking all over and there had to be some people that had gone through the fire that could stand strong and not be moved by what was going on and all the panic and that they would be able to speak into people's hearts that were full of fear. And so I do believe that's one of the reasons why he's had me go through this, because I don't know how long I'm going to go without working on a natural job or not, but this is the place that God has me right now. And I do believe that this is one of those areas that is going to be like that final test that our soul is going to be tried on. You know, the children of Israel, when they were pulled out of the wilderness, I mean, pulled out of Egypt and they came to Mount Sinai and they made that commitment with the Lord to marry him. And then Moses went up to the mountain to get the tablets of covenant and the children of Israel had to wait. And Moses took longer than they thought. And so they were tearing, they're waiting for Moses to return. And out of their, you know, uncomfortable Uh, position of waiting, they started trying to figure out what they could do to change their circumstances. And so they went ahead and they created this golden calf. And we have to beware of creating golden calves in a time that the Lord is telling us to stay hidden and to tarry and to wait upon him and to do only those things that he's calling us to do. Because everything he's doing in front of us has to do with life and life abundantly, and it's going a whole new way than what we've been accustomed to. And so there's a timing of release, and there's a timing where we gather together and we get the intel and a time that God is going to release us into the open, but it's not time yet for us to be seen in the earth. And I think that's a word for somebody because I think that um, you can feel like we're getting to the end and you just want to run and go, and yet the Lord is saying, not yet, not yet. And I think that word came to Jesus in the wilderness as well. Satan was dangling in front of him, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, of, of the eyes and the pride of life. And, you know, responding, well, here's the word. Here's the word of the Lord, right? He, he gave him the word. 
It's just like here in Ezekiel 14. It's like you can get the word of God to try to confirm your steps, but you could be out of God's timing. And so that's what the enemy was trying to do with Jesus in the wilderness is to get him out of timing, get him into walking into a kingship anointing prior to the going to the cross and becoming our high priest first. And so see, God has a timing for all things. And so we have to wait upon him. And those who wait upon him shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall, or they shall run and not faint or something like that. You know what the scripture is. Anyways, I want to leave you there. I just hope this encourages anybody that um, is kind of worried about the banking system. Not to worry. God is showing himself now as Jehovah Jireh in a mighty way. And the consuming fire of our flesh right now is just going to be able to contain more of God's glory to be steadfast and strong and movable. And God is going to use us to be that hope and that light for people that are kind of freaking out from everything that's happening. Um, But, you know, we are being preserved. And that is the word to know is we're being preserved for such a time as this to do an amazing thing when when the tables turn. And Jesus turned those tables when he went into the temple. He's turned our temple right now into the things of the world, into the things of God. And we're waiting until the time we rise. Now I'm going to go ahead in part two, and I'm going to talk about um, John, uh, John 11 and the story of Lazarus. I think it has to do with this fourth year that we're coming in since COVID and the word that God has given me for the year that we should write on the tablets of our heart. God bless you.